When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris, the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. First off, thanks so much for checking us out, checking out this episode. Uh, if you're uh, not a subscriber to the series, what are you doing? We put out three interviews every single week. It's a great way to keep up with all of your favorite artists, discover some new ones, and know what's happening in the music world. Of course, you can find us at all the major uh, podcast hotspots, including uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, Podchaser, and YouTube, where you can also find the video versions of, uh, of this interview and uh, a lot of our interviews as well. Just type in Kyle Meredith with wherever you like to get your podcast from. Hit subscribe. We'll take care of the rest. And I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I'm going to be talking with Will Butler. Yes, you do know him as one of the Butler brothers of Arcade Fire. He is back with his sophomore solo record called Generations. And it's a it's an album where he says he's looking at his place in the world and in American history. In fact, we talk a lot about uh, things like schoolhouse rock when you consider American history and music. Uh, that was one of the first things that came to my mind. Even more recently, maybe you might think of Hamilton. There's a moment on this record that sort of calls out uh, or sort of recalls uh, those two types of music. But for the most part, it's a really, really fun 
indie rock pop dance record. And we're going to get into uh, how that came to be, why all of these things were kind of uh, swirling around in his brain. I mean, obviously, the politics, that's on all of our uh, minds. Uh, you know, he, he talks about how his wife and him, uh, they, they're doing a lot for local politics, both in New York and in Arizona. So that's on our mind. But but really, it's, it's thinking about your past and how that influences your present, uh, his in particular, uh, going all the way back to the colonial days, or, or maybe even more recently within the, the last century, his grandfather, Alvino Ray, was one of the very first electric guitar players uh, who was very, very kind of famous in that scene in California in the middle part of the last century. And it's all of that, all of that, that, that kind of swirls around in his brain that, that makes up these songs. So we're going to hear about a lot of that, as well as his penchant for theatrical writing, uh, use of personas, his love of Motown. And then outside, outside of this record, he's, uh, he's helped write for Broadway, something called Stereophonic that was supposed to debut this year, of course, pushed back for the pandemic. So we might be seeing that next year or the year after. He's going to tell us a little bit about Stereophonic. And of course, of course, we'll get an Arcade Fire update as well, because there is music being made right now. But let's get into the record Generations. It's Kyle Meredith with Will Butler. How you doing? I'm doing okay here, man. So first off, congratulations on Generations. What a insanely catchy album um one that will get stuck i mean the loops i've had in my head for some of these songs <laughs> it would drive a person insane if they weren't so good songs uh, such good songs so uh first off congratulations on this oh thank yeah thank you I'll, I'll i'll jump right into the deep end if you don't mind because i know there's sort of a specific thought that kind of weaves throughout this record uh what i've heard you talk about is uh uh, really thinking about your place in American history and the present. So I, I figure it's important to ask why that is. Why, why are you asking that specifically? Just on a very basic level, I think we all have to ask that question at some point. It's like the, it's like the coming of age novel, except it's like the coming into adulthood mm-hmm. moment that one probably ought to have at some point in their life. Um, you don't have to make a record about it, but you do have to like, think about it at some point just like what like my god how did we get here where am i going and then yeah i mean it's just it's been a chaotic five years in the world and kind of piecing together the power dynamics and like even just what is actually going on it takes a lot of brain power and it i mean it's it kind of just came out in the music. Like I, I've always tried to write music both here and in Arcade Fire that like emerges from like the world that I'm in. And yeah, it's been like, even before Trump, it's been a kind of a rough half decade in the world. And it's it's mostly been driven by what's going on in the world. Like I didn't have any massive life changes. I mean, I had, I have three kids now. I used to have one kid, but it, it, uh, that always does promote some introspection, but it's mostly just like, wow, things are getting rough. Do I, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know. What should I do? I don't know. What do I do? What's going on? That's, and you're right. I mean, that seems to be what we're all asking ourselves. I mean, uh, you know, and I don't know if you find that you have the answers, you know, because, you know, for me, you know, you speak out when you feel the passion to speak out, you know, you march when you need to march. You take care of your family when you need to take care of your family and you hope for the best at the end point. I mean, do you find that you there, there are any resolutions when you put pen to paper, 
you know, chord to progression? No, I mean, that's essentially, that's essentially the, the tension that's the whole record where it's like all the lyrics are, I don't know, I don't know anything, I don't know what to do, I don't know what I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't want to think about this anymore, why do I have to think about this, oh God, but I really do have to think about this. Uh, and then the music is, is in tension with that because the music by its nature is so embodied and so communal and so even though it's gonna be a long time before we can play shows but it still is of that spirit where mm. it's it's it is creative and affirming in and of itself and and yeah i think in terms of concrete answers that are don't appear anywhere on the record it is that it is like showing up for your people which you know it's a thorny year for that um and it's it's been heartening to see people showing up for their people but it's it's also been like we're in the middle of a pandemic so it's also like more complicated than one would hope but yeah i mean that's that's the only sure answer that maybe there's some other answers maybe there's some things we can do but it it is like like okay let's like let's start let's get with our neighbors and with the people in our cities and with the people in our county and with the people in our state and you know that's that is that right, spiral right, out right well, that, uh, th that takes care of the present part, you know, and when you talk about your place in American history, I guess that opens up a little bit to where the title comes into with generations, because I don't know if you could speak to that, but, but uh, I mean, your, your family, I mean, we're all, as they say, we're all immigrants, uh, and we are, but I guess you have a closer tie to that uh, throughout your family. Uh, is that what you're speaking to? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the record doesn't come from this, but it's kind of, it's kind of this, where I, my wife got like the two week ancestry.com preview like seven years ago. She's like, Oh, I'm just going to do this. It's free. Like I see the commercial every single time I turn on any device <laughs> and, and she's Jewish. And so most of her family, like a lot of them came after world war II. And then there was a chunk that came in like the 1920s. And then there was a chunk that came in like 1905. And that's all of their recorded history. I mean, they have names, and they know that they were in like this part of the Russian empire. And maybe if you go to this Ukrainian village, they haven't burned down the Jewish records, but maybe they have. So for documented history, which like is not the end all be all, but like goes back to the beginning of the 20th century. And then I was like, and then for me, it's like clicking. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah. And then it's this guy, 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 and then it's this guy. And it's also documented mm -hmm. and so it's all so knowable and it's all so some of it's just just so goddamn clear i mean like just like the first butler came to massachusetts in 1630 <laughs> and they've just been yankees they've been on like three different islands in new england for like 300 years Man. and and there's something to that that that's really beautiful and there's something to that that's very thorny mm -hmm. and and yeah, my, my, my one grandpa, my mom's dad was a musician. He was like a famous musician. He was in the name of Alvino Ray, but he was born Alvin McBurney, changed his name to Alvino Ray to, because Alvin McBurney's a terrible name. <laughs> no offense to the Alvin McBurney's out there, but he changed it to Alvino Ray for showbiz. Uh -huh. And he got famous playing the electric guitar. He was like the, one of the very first electric guitar players, but, but back the first electric guitars were Hawaiian guitars. So he was a man named Alvin McBurney who changed his name to Alvino Ray, playing an electric Hawaiian guitar, playing jazz music on electric Hawaiian guitar in America as a white dude. It's thorny. And like, not all of that is, it's like, 
problematic in the like you have to think about the pieces. It's not like feeling guilty, though there are elements of history that I, I don't mind us feeling guilty about, but it is like, oh, that is literally where I come from. So what does that mean? And my mom's mom's dad decided to be a musician in the 1880s. He was like a poor Mormon kid, son of homesteaders. His parents had been driven by religious violence outside of the bounds of America. And they went to go live in the desert in Utah. And he decided to be a musician. And that that is pretty explicitly why I'm a musician. It's like, he decided to be a musician. His kids, he made his kids be musicians. Their kids were musicians. Their kids were musicians. Were, me and my brother are musicians. Mm. So it's like very concretely my life and my success is derived from decisions made in the 19th century. And some of that, like being a musician is very beautiful. Like being a musician from generations of musicians is there's nothing wrong with that. It's like glorious. But if we're going to concede that decisions made in the late 19th century have impacted my life today, there are many, many, many other decisions that date back to the 19th century and before that have impacted how I'm living today. And like, how, how do I, how do I deal with that? And not, not everyone has to be a historian. Not everyone has to be like, like looking back there. It doesn't, but I, I am like, that's, mm -hmm. I'm always drawn to it. I'm always drawn to just like, where did I come from? What is the antecedent? What is not the root cause, but like, what are some of the currents of mystery that have brought us to this moment? You know, not everyone has to do that, but that's just where my brain always goes. It's like, it's just like a mental tick. Like, where did this come from? Where are we going? Thinking it's like, you're a good musician, I, I guess. is Because <laughs> that's not a given, even with the history, but that that is a beautiful way to look at it. There is, um, you know, maybe I'll start with the, uh, the bottom up on this record too, because you've got this song that uh, closes out the album called Fine that, you know, is very different from the rest of the record. And, and yeah. you know, uh, viewer, listener, if you haven't heard this, you know, it's a great dance indie rock record kind of, you know, um, but but right at the end of it, you pull out what, to me, when I first heard it was like, my first thought was Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you, like, yeah. we're about the same age, if you grew up with Schoolhouse Rock, is like, it's not exactly that, but that's what it reminded me of. But this is you sort of tracing like actual US history in a way, right? Yeah, I mean, it starts off with George Washington and his slaves, and it then it goes to the present day. <laughs> like, it's trying to do a lot. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it is, it's like half, it's like a third Schoolhouse Rock. It's like a third Randy Newman. It's, it's kind of trying to have the spirit of like high period Kanye, mm -hmm. of just trying to do everything and kind of being an idiot and kind of being an asshole, but like trying to just lay it all out in a way that is, comprehensive whereas and like there's such like in hip-hop there's like such a beautiful whole genres of like how I made my money and like this is how I made my money and and my story of that is like well my grandpa was a small businessman <laughs> and and I don't think there's a that's a horrible thing to talk about in a song <laughs> that's like a horrible thing for even like a person to bring up this is like like this is as a white person this is where my power derives from is <laughs> like it's horrible it's like like it's so uninspiring to hear not an underdog describe what's going on and I, and part of this it's not the entire song but part of the song is like trying to do that in like a in a crass way with like a schoolhouse rock beat <laughs>
I mean, at least coming out in the, the in the era of Hamilton, you know, it's not like it doesn't <laughs> make sense. Which, you know, just uh, by pure chance, I mean, uh, I'm talking with Leslie Odom Jr. right after this, you know, who played Aaron. Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> amazing! Something going on here in the universe, at least for me as the listener, you know, that really, really works. You know, and the, yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting how that that comes out. I do want to pull up your wife a little bit here because she herself works in, in government to a certain degree, right? Oh, uh, well, she's been working. She's just, she's been fundraising and organizing around um, state legislative races mm-hmm. this year. And she's done it. Yeah. She's done it for a lot of races. Um, and she's also on the record. She also plays keyboards and sings on the record. But uh, yeah, my, my wife, Jenny, she, particularly this year, we've been focused. She's been focused and I've been like, I've uh, been like helping um, with the, the state legislative race in Arizona. Like there's a real chance that the Democrats could take one of the houses of the state government, which I could like talk about for like hours. But essentially all of the state government stuff is both bulwark against the horrible things that a federal government might do. And it's also a, can be a very fertile breeding ground for good ideas and can be like a horrible idea reading around for ideas like the Arizona legislature were the pioneers of the show me your papers law of like the super racist like we're going to be even more racist than anyone else and they you know state laws have that power and it'd be it'd be very inspiring to see Arizona not choose to be super racist because the the state is full of like beautiful people of all kinds so (laughs) like it, it should have a should have a legislature and laws that reflect that. But yeah, so so that's that's what I'm getting. You know, here we have a song like "Fine" and and you know, sort of what you're thinking about throughout this record, uh, and and then outside of the music, like you're still surrounded by this, and to every degree, we're all still surrounded by this. But it seems like trying to say this where it doesn't sound opportunistic, but what a perfect time for you to re- release this record, because I mean, it really does seem like your life is just completely involved even more so than most of us, I think, with what's going on uh, around here. And I guess I'm, I, I'm a little like surprised or, or curious, like when you're writing these songs, what keeps you going full on political record? Because this isn't, this isn't a full on political record. I mean, there, there are these yeah. moments in there, but it's not that. Is, is that something that you find that you purposely separate? No, I mean, it kind of just comes out how it comes out. Like it's kind of mysterious, like, like it could have been a record of love songs if love songs had come out, but it's just like what, you know, I've, I've just been thinking about history so much. So like when I sat at the piano, I was like, I guess I'm going to write about George Washington now. <laughs> or <laughs> just like, or it's just on your brain. So you're like, it's just like, I don't know what's happening. You're just like responding to the news. Like if I've been very, you know, we, most of us have been pretty involved with the news the last couple of years, but I've been very involved and it just, comes out because it's what's on your mind but it is it is in some sense mysterious and uncontrollable the writing and like I think that it I think it's even it's not possible for me but I in the abstract it's possible to write music that's very that that it's completely transcendent the nitty-gritty of the world not it it never can believe but it but anyway I it just to me it's always like what's on my brain and then it comes out in the music you're like oh okay and that's that's what it is and that's also why it's not a super political record that's why it's not an idols record which is amazing but they're them it's like it's like a clash record it's like a, and we're going to talk about this we're talking about this and it and it isn't that for me because even with all of the news and all of the of the thought and all of the work that's happening it's still not everything 
uh, I'll, I'll bring up um, so my favorite song on here. I do believe uh, is promised. Uh, promised that you know the first time I listened to it was in the car, you know, and and I had it on, and suddenly it comes on. First time I hear it, I'm the guy dancing at the stoplights, yeah. you know, not caring <laughs> yes. about everybody else around me. Just I, I, a broad question. Tell me about that song, because, again, I just kind of fall in love with the feel of it, with the groove of it. You know, I'm already singing the hook even before I'm aware of what the song is actually saying. Yeah, that's and that's very much how I experience music. It's I, I like experience and I'm like, what's what's going on? Like every breath you take is about what now? <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that that song is like truly was a groove like it was a groove that that me and because this record is very much a band record with my touring band um my drummer miles and my sister-in-law julie particularly the three of us like laid down beds and this was just a groove it was like this is a cool groove and like this is you know it was like chords and a feel and we just played it i was we just played it for a long time it was one of the last songs the lyrics weren't written or anything and i was like let's just like play this for a long time and i'm gonna cut this together because i know that this is something like it feels right and like miles was miles was just really feeling it because it's not anyway i could i could talk about it forever but yeah it's it's trying to be that it's trying to be a it's got a little bit of lcd sound system in its bones like it's a little bit of just like yeah trying to get you to dance at the stoplight and yeah i'm, Success. I'm glad it comes across such i'm glad it comes across that way <laughs> yeah, total success. I think in another interview, it may have been the Stereo Gum, um, you know, album write-up. Uh, you said there could be a jammier version even to come. Did you record more of that song, a different versions, or what? What are you talking about there? Yeah, so we yeah we just jammed on it. We like played it on a loop. Like I didn't even have a structure. This, there was like the strings or the chorus and the whole thing. The bass is the whole thing this whole way. And uh, and yeah, there is something. Like, cause it kind of starts dramatically on the record, but there's also a way that you just like, it's just the groove, doom, 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 like forever. Right. And it kind of picks up and like stuff enters because that's how we played it and it felt really good. But then it was that thing where records are different than playing it. And it was like listening back, didn't exactly have the magic of the room. So you had to like, you know, I picked like a bit of the faster bits. Cause it's like, oh yeah, this is like, feels like you want to dance like it needs to be just it needs to be the fast bits that we played even though the slow bits are really satisfying but it doesn't quite work in this context so yeah so there's a 12 inch <laughs> version somewhere somewhere percolating oh, yeah. yeah yeah it's right right on this computer behind behind you <laughs> <laughs> i look forward to that the the multiple voices on here uh how is it that you i mean do you you, you just said a minute ago this is sort of like a band record uh, in a lot of ways but writing for multiple voices, like there is the call and repeat moments, there is the narration weaving, like does that come through band writing or is that something that you're able to kind of see as you're writing the song? Yeah, I mean, that's just like fundamentally, I'm a theater kid from high school and I can only think in dramatic terms and I can only think in like characters on a stage. And if, and and yeah, and I think I think every songwriter makes a persona when they're performing and when they're writing and like, I mean, Bruce Springsteen talks about it all the time. He's like, I'm a charlatan, it's all pretend, but it, but, but people do that. And to me, that persona kind of only makes sense with other people on the stage. It kind of only feels human when there's other voices. And some of that is just listening to so much Motown as in like my teens and twenties, like so much Smokey Robinson and the Miracles where they just sound, it's just like a gang of humans, like the most wildly talented humans you've ever heard but you still like get that sense of like these are humans in a room and to me that's that's the only way most of the time 
that a lot of songs make sense is if I'm not alone in this world, if I'm like talking with someone, because it's hard to me sometimes to like talk to a person in headphones, like mm -hmm. talk to like an imaginary listener or talk to myself. It's like easier to like talk to these, to this Greek chorus that follows me around everywhere. <laughs> you get that like in Surrender, uh, you know, the, the first, uh, the radio single or whatever. Like I can immediately see the conversation happening you know like I, and i still you know uh, dozens of listens into this song like when i'm hearing it you know the color I, like i'm imagining like i don't know you know I, maybe so it's you know th th those little moments right here it's in like sometimes it's like the shrug off thing and you know it's it's really like the theatrical part i hadn't actually considered especially when you get a song like that which is this again this catchy little pop song and everything but there is a lot of theatricness happening within that yeah and like and like on Bethlehem it's like it's just this it's just a rant the whole song's a rant it's like Jesus Christ this is the end times like <laughs> what's going on and then there's the bridge in the middle where the other voices where the women are like I don't know man maybe <laughs> <laughs> like maybe maybe yes but also we're just here together but you can keep ranting it's okay if you keep ranting but you know that your rant isn't exactly reflective of reality either. And then it, and then it's like, okay, that that's actually the emotion. Like the emotion isn't I'm ranting into the void. The emotion is I'm ranting in the presence of people that love me. And mm -hmm. that like, we are then going to like figure out what to do next. And that, that what to do next is in the next act, which is not part of the record, <laughs> but it is, but like, to me, it's, it's there where it's like, we're here we're together keep ranting if you need to and then and then we'll do the next thing <laughs> then we'll get there that, yeah. that song's actually a nice also lead in or, or, or the, the weave we were talking about earlier to not gonna die too because there is that sense of the 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 overreacting the you know uh, the the fear being thrown at you a little bit you know you talk about the world's gonna end and then you have and not gonna die the way people are saying uh, like oh be scared of everyone be scared of everyone especially who doesn't look like you and you're like what I mean, I yeah. love, I really do love that you took that angle on that one. Yeah. And it's, I also think like when we name our fears, we also make them real. So even when we're being like, stop me, like, stop saying that, like my freaking neighbors, you know, I live in, I, there was like a rumor that the neighborhood I lived in, like, like, like two of the 9-11 uh, bombers lived here when they were studying stuff. And it's completely false. It's completely hundred percent false. But like, that was like, what the my neighbors told me when I moved in like did you know because it's we're in like a big Bangladeshi Muslim neighborhood yeah. and it's like quit saying that my neighbors are gonna kill me like are you like why like why do you why do you insist on that and yet it's the way the brain works by someone saying like this guy's gonna kill you you kind of picture it for a second and it works and you're like no don't it's not true it's not you know this is you know here I am ranting again <laughs> <laughs> Well, again, I mean, the record just just takes so many different angles, uh, unexpected angles, you know, from the narration, uh, musically, again, it, it's a lot of fun. So, you know, what you've done is is no small feats. And, you know, and for this just to be like, it doesn't feel like a side project, like, you know, that, and I think that's what people wonder, like, you know, when, when policy came out in 2015, it, you know, you, you sort of go, okay, here's the solo record, what's it going to mean? There's something about generations, I guess, to me that makes it real you know, that makes it feel a little bit more real. And it probably doesn't feel like that to you because you're the person in it. I mean, whether it's this or Arcade Fire, I mean, you're just, you're writing the songs, right? Yeah, and it's, but that that is essentially how it it feels to me as well. 
where policy was more like scattering the bread upon the waters. It's just like, oh, I'm going to put this here, partly because as is in this record, I can only, I only operate on conversation. Mm-hmm. So like with, with policy, it was like, I have to say something in order to hear something back, in order to say something, in order to hear something back, in order to say something. And I didn't want to think too long about what I wanted to say with policy. And then now that I'm like friends with everybody, now I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about what I want to say. And it, you can still, there's like really funny jokes and really great stuff that comes out of not thinking about it too much. There's like really great meals that you just like grab the food at the market and make it really fast. And that's the best meal you've ever had. But there's also something to be said for like really thinking through what you're doing and why you're doing it. And then Generations is much more that. I love the way it worked out, uh, the way it sounds. I, I'll hit a couple things outside of the album too. Uh, what is Stereophonic? Oh, that's a, that's a really awesome play that I'm working on. Um, I just play like, playwright David Adjumi and it's about uh it's basically a band in a studio and he he through a friend I I never knew him but through a friend of a friend he was like you want to write some songs like it's not really a musical this is a play about people in a studio and so it's like them working on the song so the songs like cycle back through and it he's he's a, a straight up genius um he yeah the the play it's like just insanely captures actually what it's like to be in a studio under the pressure and just being like, is this worth it? What are we doing? This is great. This is terrible. Um, And yes, it was supposed to be on Broadway. Like there's one arts theater on Broadway. It's going to be like in the tiniest theater, but it was literally going to be on Broadway this fall. I think it was supposed to premiere like next month and now it'll, it'll happen. It will happen, but I mean, it'll be another year. It'll be like 2022 or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but no, that was just like a, a bolt from the blue. Where it was like, you want to do this thing? I was like, oh yeah, I'll meet with this guy. And he's a genius. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, I'm, th- this is not random. This is like really exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's Broadway. I mean, you know, not everybody gets the chance. I mean, you, you know, even if it's the tiniest theater, you're, you're writing for Broadway. That's gotta be... Yeah, yeah, and it's it's second stage of the producers, and it's like so goddamn legit and amazing, and like we, you know, it was going to be in L.A. and like we were doing workshops, and it was it was yeah, super like a really amazing director, and you're just like, oh, this is such an education to see people working at the top of their craft and like working together in a different way. It was it was very inspiring. Now, continues uh, to be inspiring just stop Moz. <laughs> yeah a- am i gonna hear these songs and think oh yeah will butler songs or or is this allow you to be you know musically something very very different i hope you hear it and you're like oh this sounds like the band from stereophonic that's the mm-hmm. dream but we'll see <laughs> but not the band stereophonics which is a different not the band about. stereophonics just the band <laughs> that is in the play stereophonic <laughs> you don't sound like them it's a great band too i like stereophonics but we'll get them to play this it'll be like a very meta thing at some point for the like 10th anniversary <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be great uh i will ask about the new arcade fire uh because um i think about uh, the conversation you and i had a couple years ago we were at forecastle and um you guys were wrapping up the tour and you said at that point, I think about this a lot, you, and you were quoting Springsteen again, which I now hear is uh, something that you like to do. It's, uh, <laughs> but you were saying, uh, now it's time for us to go away for five years and let everybody miss us. And, and that's probably the period that we've been in, right? I mean, this is the learning to miss arcade fire moments uh, that, that we're in. But, but what is the update? Because the, it's not like you guys aren't doing anything, as I, as I kind of get hints from here and there. Like, there's, 
there's action happening. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I mean, it always takes us a year, a year and a half to make a record. Like we tour until we're sick, and then we take a long time off, and then it takes us a year, year and a half to make a record. And it it's been a crazy year, but that schedule is not busted yet. Like we're making the record in a different way than we would have, and and if we can't physically get together, it'll be delayed and somehow. But I I have to believe that we will be able to like get together safely and legally at some point. And then I actually think it'll, I think it'll happen. You never know. It's such a mysterious process. It's such a, you know, capturing a wild horse on the plains. Like you could just end up with like a broken leg and some broken ribs, or you could have an amazing horse in like two weeks. Um, so yeah, it'll, we'll, we'll see. There's no like deadlines or anything, but kind of once we can get together, it'll, I bet it'll happen pretty fast. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear what you guys come out with too, because, I mean, Arcade Fire does tend to write these opus uh, thematically, and and considering everything that we've gone through, you know, since the last uh, record, like uh, I'm I'm really interested to see how that maybe possibly twists its way, you know, screws its way into uh, into whatever you guys are doing. So yeah, we try to we try to let things grow from the soil that they grow in so uh, yeah it's we'll, we'll see we'll see what weird weird uh, berries we get <laughs> <laughs> there's the album title right there weird berries it's, it's not a great album like, title <laughs> no it's like a little it's like our jam period it's like <laughs> weird berries anyway. uh in the meantime uh will uh generations again i know i've complimented it like a half dozen times here but it's such a good record that you've done and and i was also a big fan of policy uh, as well and you know in the friday night uh, live album so thanks for continuing to make this whole side of you possible and progressing thank you thanks so much yeah no problem it's been a pleasure talking to you uh hopefully uh there will be a time when we do hear these songs live i know there will be (laughs) there will be yeah someday (laughs) there will there will be blood Um, no wait there will be shows um yeah god willing sooner rather than later yeah right on man well thank you so much for the conversation today it's been a been a lot of fun as always yeah thank you thanks for having me bye so the last time will and i spoke was back in 2018 uh, arcade fire uh they were out on a tour and we got to talk about his uh, disco town halls that he was doing at the time and how he connects with local audiences on a personal and political level after the shows. Will also touched on uh, the critical response to Arcade Fire's Everything Now. And, you know, we, we talked about Bruce Springsteen a few times in this interview. Uh, he talked about being mentored by the boss. So uh, here's part two, Kyle Meredith with Will Butler. Let's start with the Disco Town Hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept behind this? I mean, we've always, Arcade Fire has always been a very community-oriented band. We literally had four songs called Neighborhood on our first record. And we, we did some campaign events for Obama in the primaries in 08 and played the inauguration, played the staff ball, which was fun because it was all the kids that had worked on the campaign, which mm-hmm. is amazing. But ne- never like partisan politically or anything. But last year, I took a year, I went to the Harvard Kennedy School. They have a one-year mid-career program. I'm mm-hmm. in my mid-career. Look at you. Uh, <laughs> and I got a master's in public administration. It's like a public policy degree, essentially. Wow. Starting in the fall of 2016, which is an interesting time to be studying right. what is wrong and how to fix it. And I mean, the other piece is that our, our band for a long time has worked with this group Partners in Health, who started 30, 35 years ago in, the, in rural Haiti, mm-hmm. providing AIDS and tuberculosis medicine, but kind of full, full medical care. And they're very rigorous intellectually and morally, and they're a really powerful rights organization. I mean, kind of their 
they've sadly had to prove time and time again that medicine works the same on poor people as rich people. It's like, actually, if you give AIDS medicine to patients in rural Haiti, it works the same as on patients in Boston. And for a number of years, they had better treatment outcomes than in Boston. Mm-hmm. And they also would have, they, they, they have a, a company tour system. It's like a community health worker system where it's local people going from door to door, making sure people are taking their medicines, making sure that they're healthy, that they're paid. These aren't volunteers, they're paid because it's a job. People should be paid. Mm-hmm. And they would like write prescriptions for it needs a new roof because they would sell their medicine to like put a roof over their kids' heads. So, so it's wow. my politics has been very much informed by working with those guys, with Partners in Health. Yeah. But yeah, so I went, I went to school in the fall and Trump won the election and it was, it was super bad and weird. Ha, 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 ha. It never feels right to hear it or say it. Still, no. it just doesn't. But yeah, I was, I was literally at the time, I was taking class with this woman, um, Leah wright Rigur, who's a professor at Harvard, young historian. She wrote a book called The Loneliness of the Black Republican. And everyone's like, oh, is that about you? She's like, it's not a memoir. It's a history <laughs> book. <laughs> uh, but but her, her course was essentially race in America. Uh-huh. And the last two weeks, the second to last week was talking about Hillary Clinton, and the last week was talking about Trump. That was like on the syllabus. Mm-hmm. And the first weeks, we read the... You know, we read the riot report on the 1919 Chicago riots. And that was like one of the through lines. We read the 19 report on the 1919 Chicago riots. We read the Kerner report after the riots in 68. We read the, the Department of Justice report after Ferguson and after Baltimore and kind of like just us doing the same stuff over and over again. And people of goodwill correctly diagnosing the problem for over 100 years and it just being the same racist BS. And then at the end of this course, Trump got elected. Yeah. And like, oh, and and yesterday, I mean, Chicago's again facing it's smaller riots. Yeah. But, but you know we're, we're you know over. Yeah. I think about that a lot about the history section. I'm sorry to interrupt there. Yeah, yeah. Because it's um you know the, the old line of history repeats you know doomed to repeat it or whatever. But uh but it is it's like it's not like we're talking thousands of years ago, even hundreds yeah. of years ago. Usually, you know, we're even the election itself. You know, yeah. Hillary Clinton got more votes. Yeah. We, we we say that more people want this than that. Yeah. But but enough people didn't come out to vote you know yeah. and, th- and that's our, and it's like we just did that yeah we did that a- 18 years ago you know it's like yeah eh. anyway yeah no so i so I, that was one of the courses and and then another course i took with this guy named robert putnam who wrote a book called bowling alone which is kind of like the death of civil society in america and he very rigorously kind of shows the death of civil society in america mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the question is like how do you fix that like how do you connect people how do you make make society function because to the extent that it doesn't function it, to the extent that society doesn't function rich people will always be fine and poor people and marginalized people will always be hurt and I'm a rich person so uh, me and my family will probably be fine but as we dissolve we're, and we're seeing it now we're seeing how we're treating immigrants and how we're treating people of color and, and so you want to figure out how to not just like stop that dissolution of the bonds but how do you build something positive and we've done it in the past and normally when we've done it in the past we've done it at the expense of black people <laughs> like we've done the progressive era mm. and we've and we've done the new deal which aspects of which are amazing and like we have public schools because of it and we have you know we have social security but we've always kind of done it at the expense of this other and that other has generally been black people right. and so but there is some hope in me that we've done it before and we can do it again. And in my darkest moment, I'm like, at least maybe it can be a different other. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not being the evil like, timeline. Not, yeah. 
immigrants or black people this time may it be a i don't but in my moments of hope it's like maybe we can do it better yeah and and so i took all these courses and then we're we went on tour i graduated in may we went day after i graduated literally i flew to barcelona to start a tour in europe but then we have all these dates in america we're going literally to every single major city in america and we'll have eight to seventeen thousand people in a room and so what do you do if you have eight to seventeen thousand people in a room who are mostly local you have eight to seventeen thousand locals in a room that is a wild resource and what do you do with that and i mean i'm an artist and i think art is meaningful and i think pure art is very meaningful and i think you can be Emily Dickinson and like sit in a room by yourself and pr- produce things of great meaning for the world. But we happen to do stuff out in public and we happen to name our songs Neighborhood and we happen to write our music trying to ground it in our communities. So, so what do you do with, with thousands of people in a room? And to me, trying to do politics on that level, it's pretty easy to, to have it approach fascism <laughs> because it's just... It's just raw emotion, and it's a group of people, and they bond together. And we shouldn't be scared of that when it's when it's when you're being just and true. But kind of want to stay away from fascism <laughs> to the extent that you can. So I, I decided to put together after parties. Mm-hmm. So it's like we've just had this aesthetic experience. I just played Wake Up. We all sang it together. We were all in this room. We had this moment. I know that you're thinking about the stuff that's going down right now. Mm-hmm. I know you're thinking about the election. I know you're thinking about what you what can you do. I know you're thinking about, I know you feel a little lost because I feel a little lost. So let's all go to a place together and talk about some local things in your community that are happening. And so I, the structure of the of those disco town halls is, is we'd have been after party at a local venue, normally local promoters who are engaged in their communities. We did one in Tampa, for instance. I went, I played Stand By Me, and then I introduced all these organizers who were working on getting people who had been in prison the right to vote, like there's crazy felon disenfranchisement in Florida and throughout the South. I think it's 5 million, and it's something like 30% of all adult black men are disenfranchised in Florida because of being arrested yeah. on a felony charge. Yeah. We had, so I introduced these organizers who were working on, a, on introducing an uh, amendment to the state constitution of Florida to allow most felons to easily get their voting rights back, like have, it up, have it, most of it be automatic and then have some people apply. I mean, I'm a bit of a radical. I think you should be able to vote from prison. That's how we do it in right. Maine. Like, I'm a Yankee. That's how we do it in Maine and Vermont. But, you know, baby steps. So yeah. they're like, if you're a rapist, you can't vote anymore. But everyone else can vote, essentially. And they were, and they were working on it. And they, they came out and told their stories. And then every single person in that room registered to vote. And a bunch of them signed up to volunteer. And it was like a really beautiful moment yeah. in Tampa. Right. And I was there for a night. But I f- it was beautiful for me as well. And then in my, in my hometown in New York, we played Madison Square Garden. And then we went to a jazz club that our saxophone player, Stuart, plays at all the time. And I had my city councilman come out and uh, an organization called the Catal Center that's working on closing Rikers Island Jail, which is it's, it's the jail. So it's people that haven't been convicted yet. It's all pre-trial detention. Mm-hmm. And the numbers are absurd where people have been held before trial for years. And some of that is improving because of pressure like this. And, and there's a bunch of people working to close it, which I support because I do think that places and names become poisonous yeah. and, and whole systems become poisonous and you essentially have to abolish them and start afresh because right. it's, 
it is things become cursed and it's not like some mystical curse it's like humans curse a place and then any, any guard on Rikers Island knows they're a guard on Rikers Island they're and part of that story and they yeah and continuing it, that and it just happens right. it perpetuates and it's a place of violence and despair and so we did one on closing Rikers Island not prison jail and so I did 10 or 12 of those in the last tour and then so now we're going back through America again for two weeks I actually had my son on this tour, so I was like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I've got my six-year-old. It's going to be, like, so bananas. But I read the news. We all, yeah. maybe, I guess we don't all read the news, but a lot of us read the news these days. And it's, I was like, okay, fine. Got to do something. Like, well, especially, I appreciate it, because in Kentucky, yeah. we've got Mitch McConnell. Oh. We've got this horrible governor yeah. that's just the biggest Trump fan in the world, you know. And we're not exactly used to that. And this is what happens when people don't vote. I thought the same way. I was like, well, there's no chance that guy's going to get it. You know, yeah. and I took my son. We do the voting every time. He goes with me. He really enjoys that. And, um, and then, of course, the bad news the next day. Um, so for you to come here using the podium, and even if half the time you're speaking to the choir, yeah, you're still inspiring them. Yeah, and I think speaking to the choir is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think getting people who kind of read the news and are like, I'm on your team. Getting them to actually act is great. If you can right. get if you can get five percent of the people to actually go out and knock doors for a candidate, that's amazing. Right. Like radicalizing the choir is a good thing. Yeah. And I'm I'm like a straight white dude that's probably very centrist deep in my core, but the radicals are really pushing things in a good direction, I mm-hmm. think. I think if we're ever gonna get healthcare in this country, it's going to get people that I th- who I think are probably going too far <laughs> to get it to happen. Right. And then we'll have it, and then it'll be great. So I, I'm trying to, yeah, trying to radicalize the choir, I think, is a, is a worthy goal. And I also think it's, like, as an artist, when you support candidates or you support organizations, you, you do bring relief to them, mm. to the people, where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a candidate for state legislature in Kentucky, but a rock band cares about me like when a fan comes to me and says i like you i feel great for a day right so when a band comes and says i like you it does it gives you momentum it like mm. makes you real feel like you're you're doing something and I, and I used to think that was that really wasn't important and the more i've done this sort of work and the more i've lived i realized that like being secondary support to the people on the ground is is really valuable for a person in my position right. for the people that are in the places more of us need to be first-line responders. Like, more of us need to be, meet, be talking to our neighbors and out on the streets when things go down. But there is a, there is, there are levels. Well, I certainly appreciate what you're doing. I like the the position you come from too, because you know, American, uh, the ties with Haiti, the ties with Canada. You know, it's you're an international band, and I'm, I'm sure you get to see things that a lot of people don't, and they're not privy to, and to kind of bring those conversations yeah. to people that never leave their hometown. You know. Yeah. It's, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to tie that in the, mu- uh, the music, though, because, you know, it, it, it's, it's usually there. You know, I, I was looking at your solo record with a song like Anna, you know, and that repeating line of money, yeah. money, you know, over and over and over. And, and there's the question you ask at the end of the song. What was that? Uh, I can't remember right Neither now. Neither can I. I, I, I the whole song. No. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's just saying, you know, like, in, in, you know, what are you going to do when that's, yeah. you, know, it, 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 you know, because I feel like it's impossible to get... Well, you can't get the money out of politics as much as we wanted to. Yeah. You know, not right now. Yeah, not right now. It's not going to happen. But to 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 ask that question to kind of push that forward. I mean, I'm I'm down with capitalism as long as it's an accurate social science. Mm-hmm. But the part where it becomes a value system, it's so harmful. And we're seeing the fruits of that, where we have like a big idiot, rich buffoon mm-hmm. who's like whose first thing he tells Theresa May is, "You should sue." It's crazy. It's just the crazy. It's like sue. 
what is that? And that's 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 where you start with him. No, that's, I mean you need like you need something to be a value system, and and I, you know, it's hard. We're, that's part of the struggle in our society right now is like trying to construct a value system that isn't like money good, because that's all we've heard for the last since right. like 1979. Right. Basically, is right. that like money good? Like capitalism wins. Like capitalism wins, and you're like no. Capitalism is fine insofar as it's like a measurable economic system, but like get it get it out of my face otherwise. Right. Like there it's about your neighbors and about humans. And that was that's the experience of partners in health is is they talk a lot about human rights. But they talk about that because the missing aspect is is rich people not seeing other people as humans. Mm. Like if you just see people as human, then you give them health care, right. then you help them, then you get them a house. So that's the part. That's why it's a human right. Is because it's it's just that. It's like oh, those are poor people in Lima, Peru. Like they, whatever. They're not human. And it it's literally as simple as that. But you know, getting people that there's there's feedback loops as to how you actually get people to like wake the hell up and and realize and treat other people as human. And since we're in a democracy, when our government treats people like humans, it is an expression of us, and it's a feedback loop, and we start to identify as treating people as human, I think. And I think there's real power in having a representative government and having it and having it do the right thing. And then that, I think you get into cycles where stuff becomes better. It, sometimes it takes 40 years. Sometimes it takes, I mean, who knows? So yeah. you, you have good days and bad days. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that's the most perfectly said thing. If you can just get these people in power to see people as humans, as not, well, let's just separate them and put them in cages. Yeah, because you don't, because you never see them because they're not real. They're 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 a they're a they're a political token that and, you can gamble with. And I don't I don't want it to sound soft. The seeing other people as human, because oftentimes the way you get to see people as human is you get them the healthcare first, mm. and then since you're giving them that, they are human to you all of a right. sudden. Like you can't just be like, we need to focus on love first. But I I I'm a, once again I'm an artist. Mm. I'm a musician. Mm. I'm kind of a Christian. <laughs> I'm a weird, heretical Christian, but I do believe that. But it, it's not a soft thing. It's a very hard, how do you provide concrete goods to people? Because that is that is the pudding. Right. <laughs> that is the pudding. Eat it. <laughs> so I want to ask some, some stuff about the music, too, uh, specifically. Um, now that you'll soon be in the middle of an Arcade Fire album cycle, because I'm sure you're probably coming to the, the end of the Everything yeah. Now cycle, uh, are you looking to do any more solo records? Because we loved... The last one so oh, much. You know, you. we played a lot of Take My Side. We played Anna a lot. So, oh, thank you. I, I, I don't know if that's in your plans. If that's something now that you'll, because I guess when you do that, you sort of never get to turn off either. So I don't know how important it is to. Yeah, in a, in a dream world, I'd have a in a dream world, I'd have a record out next year. But it it takes so long to physically manufacture the record that mm. it it might be the year after. But uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely in the works it seems like this would be the stuff that you would be singing about once again yeah <laughs> you know when you do take my side and i was thinking about the uh with pete seeger uh uh which side are you on yeah. which Johnny defranco just did a really great new version of oh, that cool. like oh man it's like an updated version of that almost <laughs> it's like a, of course when you play it next to stand by me it yeah. means also something completely different to yeah. me so i would uh I, i'm really looking forward to what you do with all of this oh thank you artistically and musically and the arcade fire record with everything now you know, when I thought about it in the context of what you were doing today, I thought, here's a record that I wouldn't call a political album, nor would I call any of your records political records, yeah. but the culture, the environment, the atmosphere that led to this current state that we're in. Am I close when I'm sort of 
trying to put it all in a in a bubble in a box and say this is what this record is because that's what I feel like we're talking about. You know, the everything now idea is I mean, just that title alone, those two words right there. It's like, you know, this this is the culture that we live in. Yeah. This is the guy who's in the White House. Yeah. And it's utterly overwhelming where it's it's the most horrifying news in the world. And then also, like, stupid news about North Korea. There's, like, terrifying news about North Korea, and there's stupid news about North Korea, and there's horrifying news about how we're treating people, and there's the World Cup, right. <laughs> and <laughs> there's the Do you remember baby you, balloon, and there's a hilarious joke. Like U2's then, Zuropa yeah. tour. Like, this is what it feels like. Yeah. You know, those TVs that's just nonstop, yeah. like, oh. I mean, that's how I feel from 8 to 11 p.m. every night when I'm, like, accidentally looking at Twitter on right, my phone. Right, right. But, no, I, we, the way we always make albums is we go home and we live our lives and we try to plug into where we live and we try to let it emerge organically from that and that's once again there's other ways of doing art and there's other ways of making political art but ours has very much been grounded in living as humans in specific places and bringing that to the work the flip side of being a very successful artist is you also become a target every single time yeah and because it's always no matter what you do you're sort of a target somehow because you're huge yeah you too is a grand example of that it doesn't <laughs> matter what they do they're always going to be a target yeah. now did it feel like it was more for this record like there was more somehow louder opposing chatter yeah definitely i mean partly it's that we're bigger partly it's part of it is genuine response to the record which is super fine part of it was the album launch and then the people that were reviewing the album tend to be people who are more online and then were really exposed to the album launch in a way that I don't think the average listener was. Right. So they approached it with baggage, which baggage that we created, so it's kind of our fault, but it, <laughs> it was different. No, I mean, it's also fifth record. It's a long career. Bruce Springsteen actually told us once, just like, make sure that you can always play shows in Spain because there will come a time when people hate you for like a decade and you can just disappear and go play shows in Spain where people love you <laughs> and you'll be in Spain and you can eat delicious food and then 10 years after people will realize that you're really great and then you go back you go back to America. Uh, <laughs> but you know it's it's so great to have that kind of mentorship in a way I I guess because no it's wild and like that Bruce Springsteen told us that you're like yeah, yeah. that's great because <laughs> we see as we look back historically at at yeah. musicians arcs and everything that you sort of that everybody deals with that if you've had a, if you have a long enough successful career like there was even a time when people were mad at Neil Young more you yeah. know you know and those 80s years they weren't kind to him and David Bowie went through a very fallow period that people that he has like talked about online and mm -hmm. been like that was a silly record and then the end of his life like put out the most the bruising and brutal <laughs> statement on his whole life yeah. it was stunning and then he died and yeah. it was and it like what a capstone. And while he was and while he was making records that people didn't like, he was supporting bands like ours and mm -hmm. supporting all sorts of bands and like playing amazing shows and and like touring with great artists. So he he was always doing very levels of work. I mean to me, there was never a bigger mythical artist yeah. than David Bowie. The fact that you <laughs> you know, got that moment with him, those moments, you know. I, I and I remember watching the fashion show. That you got, I remember seeing that a dozen times online yeah. and just watching that and, and just loving you know every bit of it and then and how he ended up on the record. Yeah, I'm um, envy is not the right word because there's nothing for me to be envious about, but right. just like in awe. Yeah, yeah, right of of something like that. I mean, what an interesting life and career that you all get to have. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so the everything now uh, tour it, it eventually comes to a close and you guys kind of go your separate ways for a little bit and 
I mean, as you not, say, live your life. Not like super separate. Like, I I don't have a place in Montreal anymore. I'm in Brooklyn, but everyone else is tied to Montreal. Winter Regina are in New Orleans more, but that's my brother and sister-in-law, so mm-hmm. I <laughs> right. I will be connected to them. Yeah, I bet we'll take a breather and then recharge and start starting a record. Let's see. Sir, keep doing it. Yeah. Well, I love it, man. Right, thank I you. thank you for so much for this, uh, for these town halls. Oh, really? I think this is important work that you're doing. This thank is. You and somebody's got to do it people got to do it so (laughs) all right thank you man thank you and my thanks will butler again the brand new solo record is called generations it's out now thanks to you as well for checking out this episode uh please 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 before you get out hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of the interviews that we do here again three a week one monday wednesday and friday and you can subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcast from that does include itunes apple podcasts spotify Acast or the video version of this at YouTube. And then after all of that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. That's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, uh, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of them just at Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.